Welcome back to The Minute Who Shagged Me, where we go through the Austin Powers movies one minute at a time, continuing with The Spy Who Shagged Me. I'm Johnny, and I'm joined this week by a special guest, and he is... I am Rick Ingham from The Mad Max Minute. Yay, welcome back, Rick. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me back. Yeah. I, I was very glad to have an excuse to watch another entry in the Austin Powers movie lexicon, as it were. So thank you for giving me that opportunity. Of course, and this is by far my favorite one, so I'm glad that you're back for, I guess, my fave in the trilogy. So. <laughs> this is The Empire Strikes Back. Of the Austin Powers series? I guess so. Well, as someone who's coming from a trilogy that admittedly became a quadrilogy, but let's (laughs) not split hairs, but as someone who comes from a trilogy where the second one is often regarded as the best out of the three, it's good to be in good company. Yeah, it's rare that like a sequel will be that to a, a movie franchise, I guess. I don't know in in what world other than our movies there would be another one. Well, obviously, Empire Strikes Back is seen as better than the first Star Wars. I don't think the Indiana Jones series was able to pull that off. And I don't want to go right out and say that Toy Story 2 is universally recognized as better than the other two because everyone is very subjective oh, very. when it comes to those movies. Like, it's this whole emotional thing with the Toy Story movies. But I like two uh, the best out of the three. So that's just me. I'm a, I'm a three person subjectively to that one just because it was the <laughs> same time that I was going off to college. So, like, mm-hmm. emotionally... I sobbed for 15 minutes at the end of the movie, so it was fine. Um, It was wonderful. And my friend who I went to the movie theater with laughed at me the whole time. Um, (laughs) Just buckets of sympathy from them. Yes, so much. He was like, why? Why are you doing Why are you like this? And I'm like, but Andy left them sobbing like into my popcorn. It was wonderful. (laughs) So... Since we're getting cracking on sequels, um, let's go ahead and get started with minute 31. And it begins with gunshots, which I'm sure your movies you're familiar with. Oh, certainly. (laughs) Yeah, the first couple of minutes this week are completely familiar territory to me. (laughs) Fast cars, gunfire, just I feel right at home. I'm glad. I... I was scheduling out and I saw, I just popped names and weeks and numbers in and then I started watching the minutes to see how well it accidentally lined it lined up and I was like, this is funny. I'm going to keep it this way. <laughs> <laughs> so Felicity pulls up in her American flag car and uh, I have to say, it's a pretty sweet car. Yeah, it is a, according to my research, a 1966 Corvette Stingray. Mm. Mm -hmm. It has a big block V8, uh, comes in 390 horsepower and 420 horsepower uh, versions. It is, I think, almost always a convertible. But what I like about this car is that I think... I'm not sure if it's more famous for being in 
the movie or being in the music video for Lenny Kravitz's cover of American Woman? Listen, I love me some Lenny Kravitz. Like, <laughs> I, he has a weird spot in my life. I don't know. And especially that cover of American Woman. I'm just like, mm-hmm. That's it. That's my, like, Venn diagram <laughs> of, like, perfection. You put that car. It'll be like a trifecta, really. You put that car, Lenny Kravitz, and American Woman, and you've got, like, the sweetest shit in the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I love how, like, sleek the car is. It, like, lives mm -hmm. up to its name for sure. I oh, I have mixed feelings about the fact that they've printed an American flag across <laughs> it because it's a very busy pattern. Yeah, but I mean, like, I I kind of get it because his had to have the Union Jack all over it. So mm -hmm. it's kind of, why? I guess there really isn't an answer to why other than she is his equal. Oh, absolutely. Or, you know, sometimes greater than him because she's a better spy, but. That's just yeah. She's she's the American counterpart, which means that she's younger, fresher, more capable. Mm -hmm. You know, you compare America in general to England, and you know those guys across the pond—they just seem futzy. <laughs> and second week in a row, lost our European audience. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh. I don't think we've been able to hold on to our British Isles listenership on our show over on the Mad Max Minute because we're constantly talking about how the British just love to go places and screw with people. Just mess everything I up. Mean, so colonialism. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. If you want to sail around the world and start messing with natural orders of things, you're gonna get some you're gonna get some ridicule down the road. Oh, for sure. I mean, and they did it for centuries, really. So mm -hmm. you got a long time before that kind of wears off, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but here we get to finally introduce her. Like, we we know her name now, but, like, the audience as watching this movie still hasn't figured out who she is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she rolls up, says, care for a ride, and we're sitting there in the theater thinking, hold on. First of all, you left the party awfully quick. <laughs> and where did you get a car? Spies, man. They're crafty. <laughs> I wonder if one of her backup dancers was also like a valet. Ooh, that's Felicity gave gave them a signal and said, "Go get the car." That's a good skill. I I need to <laughs> so have like a, a whole went. squad where it's like, "You're the valet. You go grab the car quickly. You're going to be the person who's like proficient at snacks." And then just go down the line and be like, we need to all line up our skills and work together as a team. So this person's a really good valet, apparently. Yeah. Hashtag squad goals, I assume. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that uh, vernacular, so. <laughs> the fact that you said it so, like, blatantly was very entertaining for me. <laughs> Speaking of entertaining, I love Austin's oh acrobatic nature oh where my he gosh. rolls across the hood of the car. None of this Dukes of Hazard sliding across the hood gracefully. He probably had to roll because 
Ugh, what is that suit like velvet <laughs> it's probably not as slidey as denim i'm assuming that if he would have attempted the slide the like oh my gosh now i can't even remember i think it's bow that slides it might be wrong i used to watch dukes of hazard when i was a kid um but i think he would have ripped his pants straight up like <laughs> right down the ass because i don't feel like velvet's very forgiving <laughs> And I don't really want to see Austin Powers' butt full on like that. Any more than you already have to in this series? Yeah, I saw it enough last movie. Let's not repeat it this one. <laughs> I would be happy to live without it. Oh my gosh. Speaking of looking at people from behind, do you notice that Robin there on the uh, in the left-hand bottom corner, she's still kicking? She's not dead. I mean, he asked her, when will she die? Uh, I guess never. She's she's pretty <laughs> indestructible. I mean, you fell from, like, a considerable height, got shot by a rocket launcher, uh, and, gun, and a machine gun, and you got a knife in the back. So, like, I think she's immortal. <laughs> Maybe she's cursed by some sort of, uh, let's say, Aztec treasure. She stole a gold piece from a stone treasure chest, and she's immortal until she returns Ooh. it. If there were moonlight, she'd probably look like a skeleton. <laughs> probably. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you noticed that she was still kicking. I didn't even notice that, and I've watched this a few times today, so... I want to call back to this when we get to Friday's minute because I feel like Robin laying on the ground, still kicking and moving her arms, and the fact that, oh, what did the credits call him? Bazooka Joe? <laughs> he walks away relatively unscathed. Yeah. So these guys are more or less fine. I think fine is a relative term, really. Oh, yeah. If you can call alive as the low bar for fine. But they, they're fine. Right. They're okay. We'll figure yeah. out how many other people are like relatively okay in this week because we're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we get the full name now. Mm -hmm. But I really like how <laughs> I really like how the introductions go because she already knows who he is, um, and he says, "Powers by name, powers by reputation." Which, like, I get it, and I also don't get it at the same time. <laughs> so I'm assuming he's talking about powers of seduction? Maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. he means, like, the mojo he currently doesn't have. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spoil it, but maybe his natural abilities are more inane than he gives himself credit for yeah you never know he um might come out ahead even with uh without his mojo but yeah he says powers by name powers by reputation and how fortunate for him and by extension you that he can use a line like this and it comes off just natural as you please well natural as he can oh make yeah it. I think you've got to have a certain swagger. I think I've to use a line I like this. I think I've embarked further on accident because I just got new glasses, and I feel like 
I'm transforming more into this. Hopefully with better teeth um, and better looking. But it's a hard look in the mirror right now. Because <laughs> I have like black rimmed glasses like this. Uh, it's, wow, I am becoming my own movie podcast. <laughs> so then we get Felicity Shagwell, CIA. Now, we had a healthy debate about this um, in a couple of the past weeks, but do you think, I mean, I'm sure I know the answer to this, but do you think that the CIA is, uh, I guess I would say, superior to the Ministry of Defense? Hmm. Well, being the patriotic sort, <laughs> I would say that the American CIA is better than the Ministry of Defense. And by watching the movie, I almost doubled down on that just by the capability of the agent that they decide to send over to England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you've already mentioned it once. Felicity is not so much mu- not so much Austin's equal, but Austin's superior. She is better than him at more or less everything. I mean, even introductions at this point. Yeah. Like, she starts off with a very official title. And, you know, ain't that just the way of things? You're young, you're hanging out in Twin Peaks, you hang out with a guy from the (laughs) FBI and it inspires you to join the CIA. Timelines be damned. (laughs) And then you proceed to uh, introduce yourself as shagged very well by reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, okay. I don't know how you would even receive that, because I would just be dumbfounded if someone introduced themselves like that to me. That's such a power move when it comes to introductions, because you're immediately placing yourself on... I don't want to say a sexual pedestal because who wants to go around throwing around that phrase, (laughs) but you've essentially taken the other person and said, okay, hello, new person that I'm meeting. I am extremely good at intercourse. And how do you respond to that? You can't, you have to just give it to the other person and be like, okay, yeah, sure. And Austin just goes falls back on oh behave and he's very happy about it (laughs) (laughs) well who wouldn't be oh my god i keep pausing at the stupidest moments where he's got this busted grin on his face of like oh my gosh i'm in the best case scenario that's ever happened to me i thought vanessa was great and now i have felicity in my life (laughs) Yeah, they're pretty gnarly. Sad that we reverted back to those teeth. Mm Hmm. So, how about Felicity's comeback to Austin Powers' "Oh, behave"? Oh, not if I can help it. It's a very like um, combative thing. It's also, I feel like it. If we're generalizing, it's a very American thing of like, (laughs) I'm not going to behave 
So don't tell me because we're going to do whatever we want. <laughs> it reminds me, I used to know just a very old lady. This was about 10 years ago. There's no way she's still alive. But me and the guys that I was rooming with at the time, we would go over and we'd clean out her garage. We'd do yard work for her. It was us just helping her out. And one of the last things that she would tell us before we left each time was, remember, boys, be good or be good at it. And we said, oh, you, <laughs> Mrs. Newman, you crazy old lady, you. Wow. What an old lady name, Mrs. Newman. Yep. <laughs> she was great. Be good or be good at it. Right. If you're going to be a good person, sure, be a good person. But if you're not going to be a good person, well, then at least be good at the trouble you stir up. And you can already tell that Felicity is just good at stirring up the trouble that she's good oh, at. Yeah. But she's good at like solving the trouble I feel like she stirs up too. Oh yeah. You're CIA. You gotta get into you gotta get into trouble and subsequently escape from that trouble in a particularly spectacular fashion if you can help it. And um as Americans, we um drive in with a crazy American flag convertible and we drive out with explosions and fireworks. So mm -hmm. I mean I think it's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> one funny thing that i found as i was watching this movie and going through it the the original version of american woman was of course by the guess who in 1969 so lenny kravitz 30 years later doing the cover awesome but the guess who is a canadian band dang canadians why are you I writing know, right? a song about an american woman <laughs> I mean, I guess we're neighbors. So the story of that song goes, according to legend, is that one of the band members broke his string on stage. And so he started more or less just riffing and it came out as the riff to American Woman. And then the lead singer stepped up to the microphone and just started improvising lyrics and there was a kid in the crowd with a tape recorder sitting there recording the concert. So wow, they liked how the improvisation came out. To record a concert. I know, right? So after the concert, they got the tape from that kid, went back to the studio and refined it, and then just released it. That kid saved the day. I know. It's one of those instances where bootlegging didn't hurt anybody. I, I'm sure that um, the piracy police would not feel that way now, but. <laughs> well, not now. Which but... I think it could still save the day. Now, occasionally, if if we would let it. <laughs> As someone who is often in charge of recording things, I can say that it's ne that it never hurts to have a backup. Yeah. Oh, I'm literally looking at the uh, lyrics now because I, I just listened to the song and it's a feel-good song and I never really looked at the lyrics in depth. Mm -hmm. But to say that they improvised it, they did a really good job. In an interview, Randy Bachman, who was the lead guitarist of The Guest Who, he told Song Facts that... 
the song is an anti-war protest song and he explained that they came up with it on stage the band and the audience had a problem with the vietnam war they had been touring the states in the late 60s and at one time at the u.s canada border in north dakota they tried to (laughs) draft the band and send them to vietnam so obviously they're canadian citizens so you couldn't have a u.s drafter drafting canadian citizens so they got out of it but they went to <laughs> they went back to canada and they were performing a concert for a lot of draft dodgers and so it just came together that way <laughs> yeah because there's like a whole like i guess you would say s- section of a stanza that's like I don't need your war machines. I don't need your ghetto scenes. I'm like, wow, okay. This song's deeper than mm-hmm. I had originally thought. It's just it's just a yeah. hit. The lead singer, Burton Cummings, told the Toronto Star in 2014, when I said American woman, stay away from me, I really meant Canadian woman, I prefer you. And it was all a happy accident. Well, um, good on you, Canadian women. Uh, don't, I know a few. They're all... all very nice apologetic ladies. <laughs> so very much more apologetic than Americans. I feel like we don't apologize. Like 90% of the time we just don't really apologize. <laughs> it's okay. We live life. Yeah. And then if we're going to get on like little snarky comments I also like Austin's really snarky comment here about, you know, what's remarkable is how much England um, looks in no way like Southern California. Um, And they're clearly driving through like Southern California. Yeah, I looked up shooting locations and I think they're driving through the San Marcos Pass. With uh, an English countryside sign. Right. I do like the detail that they are driving on the left mm-hmm. side of the road. I had to hold up my hands <laughs> and make sure I was saying the correct direction there. I get those mixed up from time to time. But they have included the detail of driving on the left side of the road, even though Felicity has the left-hand drive side American-style car. That's a lot of qualifiers, but... It works out. Yeah, I've always thought about like if you import a car and its steering wheel is on the opposite side of the country you're driving on, so it just like messes me up. Yeah. I, I would get confused. I think I think the only way that I could, could feasibly think of someone importing a car from a left-hand drive country to America would be if they're like a mailman or something (laughs) or mail carrier, I should say, because you want to have the steering wheel on the other side so you can easily get to mailboxes and stuff. That's true. But also like, I'm just thinking of a, like an off duty mailman that he just gets so used to driving his mail truck that he has to get a car that is (laughs) the same way, the same configuration as his mail truck. And considering how much British people love their fancy cars, they could probably do pretty well. The only tricky part would be the actual importing. Yeah, very expensive. 
So with Austin Powers calling attention to the fact that they're very obviously not in the English countryside, is that brilliant or dumb? Because hmm. I can't I, decide. I can't either. I feel like it's um, another one of those seconds where it it's like a half break the fourth wall. Because he's mm-hmm. obviously like talking to Felicity, but he's also talking to the audience. Yeah, there are a few moments when he's going through that explanation where he's looking dead into the camera more so than act more so than at Felicity. Yeah, so it's just like one of those moments that he decides to talk directly to us cuz they already had a moment in the movie of him and Basil that they were literally just straight up talking to the audience. <laughs> Telling everybody not to worry, not to make a big deal, don't think about it too hard. Yeah, and also just have a good time. <laughs> So I just think it's another, it's like a half, it wasn't as clear as that time, but it's just for our own benefit or I guess benefit. I'm, we knew that it was not shot in England. Yeah. You can't fool us with, um, you're driving on the wrong side of the road and also, uh, a couple props that are about to come up in the next minute. (laughs) Right. Wow, what a sweet car. I just keep looking at it from a, like the different angles that they got. They got some really good shots of that car. But we see a very mysterious car at the last second. Yeah, it's just hanging out on the side of the road as they drive by. I wonder what that's going to be like. Like, What's that for? Who are you? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, is it a unmarked police car <laughs> hanging out on the side of the road? Is it someone who's broken down? Is it a bunch of lousy teenagers necking or something like that? I mean, it was the 60s. They did that yeah, sort of thing, right? That's true. I don't know in like the middle of a curve if that's like right <laughs> in the line of sight of everyone driving by. I mean, if you're into like voyeurism, like that's cool. But I don't know. (laughs) Like Bobby swings by Judy's house and says, oh, let's go up to the highway and park on the side of the road in the middle of the day. Where everybody can see us. Full view (laughs) of everybody. She's like, yeah, sure. This will be fun. No. (laughs) I don't think anyone was ever like that. No, I'd be like, we're going to a dark secluded part. That, like, you would question if there's a serial killer here? Great. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. All of the best makeout points are conveniently located near a sane asylums with very low security settings. <laughs> Everyone knows if you're going to drive out to the middle of nowhere and make out with someone, you need to have that element of danger. Otherwise, why go yep, at all? It has to be completely unsafe. And you ha- mm-hmm. it has to be during the time where you don't have power locks or power windows, or you either have a throwback car. That way, it's extra dangerous. Yes. I feel like we like serial killers too much, <laughs> or like scary movies. <laughs> well, this is a podcast, and podcasts love serial killers. I was just killers. listening to a true crime podcast before this, so yeah, mm-hmm, pretty pretty accurate. <laughs> 
Well, I guess we have to wait till tomorrow to figure out who's in that car and what it's doing. Um, mm -hmm. What it's doing there in the first place. What they're doing there in the first place. But uh, I want to wait until like midweek to ask you the question of when your when your wife walked out of this movie. But I want everybody <laughs> to know that that's going to be asked because I think it's hilarious. Yep. To remind everybody, when I was on back during the first movie, I shared that Julia saw, Julia is my co-host for the Bad Max Minute, but she saw this movie, The Spy Who Shagged Me, in theaters, and she walked out because there was a scene that so disgusted her that she could not remain in the theater any longer. So that's the teaser. I have a feeling that I know who the person is that she definitely doesn't like in this movie. And he might he might be fat. Maybe. Well, I don't want to give no, it away now. Well, <laughs> just because I say he's fat doesn't mean he has to be that fat. He could be just a little chubby. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of all I have for this minute. Because it's very straightforward. We get... Felicity, people don't die when they should. Um, we have Southern California English countryside. It's pretty much picturesque, honestly. Mm -hmm. They've made a clean getaway. You would think. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, if you want to go ahead and plug yourself up, because I know you have some things coming up very soon. Oh, certainly. So I am from the Mad Max Minute, as was mentioned before. And my co-host, Julia, and I, we like to talk about the Mad Max movies. And we are currently going through Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. We are getting close to the end of the movie. We're in the 80s range of minutes but you can find us over on our website madmaxminute.com we are on twitter at madmaxminute and you can find us on facebook by searching for madmaxminute which will help you find our listener group which is called madmaxminute beyond microphone awesome all madmax all the time just the way we like it, <laughs> the we like it. well definitely everybody go check out madmax minute and if you want to get more of rick here go back to first season and listen to his week then because it was really hilarious too um but come back tomorrow for minute 32 where we find out what that black car is doing and who's in it um but don't forget stay groovy 